God, you had such a great idea when you centered your love for us around being with others. If I had one request for you this morning, it would be that each one of us here, whether in person or on Zoom or listening on the podcast later, would feel a very deep sense of your love. I know that this is not out of your scope, and so I look forward to watching what you do to show off your love for us this morning. Amen. Uh, the words, your love will find me, um, instantly made me uh, have a picture, which was actually a video of my grandson yesterday. Um, I knew I'd find a way to work him in. Um, but the, um, the picture is, uh, Felix, who is just over one, is pulling up his bib, and his dad is saying, where did Felix go? Like as if he can't see him there the whole time. And then Felix drops the bib, and then like, oh, shock and awe, like there he is. That's God's love with us. We think we can hide from him somehow, and we can't. He is always there. He is always aware of our presence. He is always ready with his love for us. Um, so that's that. Um, Sarah and I were just kind of going over some numbers this last week, and I asked, um, you know, how many, how many different people have we had speak on a Sunday morning in this last year, like from um, beginning of September last year and through to the end of August this year? And we counted them up, and there was 20 different voices we have had holding this mic figuratively, uh, but it just makes me so glad. Um, I think that's a value that we have here, that we have lots of voices, lots of perspectives, lots of um, people's experiences that they're bringing to the table for us to consider something we may not have thought of before. And um, I just, I want to thank you if you're one of those folks who have done that. And if you're not yet, just hold on. We'll probably get to you yet. Um, if that totally freaks you out, you can say, then no way, Jose. Um, but um, uh, we will continue doing that for sure. So this morning, um, I get to introduce someone who has been in my life maybe for about the last I don't know, 15 years or so, on and off. And um, to say that I liked her right away, it would be, uh, um, you know, that, that was a given. Um, but I have really learned to love her over time, and not like I had to, like, work that up. But as I have discovered more and more about her, about who she is and how she is, and the changes that she has made in her life over these last years, um, it's really very inspiring. So it surprises me that she has not done this before, but she's doing it today, and I know what she's bringing, and um, I hope you can hold on to your seats, because it's really great. Um, what she has to offer is uh, deep and personal, 
and um, I want you to welcome Nancy Bose. <laughs> you can see she has a, a fan base. Uh, let me just pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for Nancy, and thank you for the long path that you have walked with her and her faithfulness in walking that path with you. I ask that um, you would just calm any nerves she might have this morning, that you would give her an abundance of peace as she shares with her from the che treasure chest that she has um, collected treasures in for years now. Help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Amen. Well, it really is a privilege to be here. And I was one of those people Eden asked months ago, and I was a little floored and said, ooh, I don't know about that. So be careful if you give her an opening. She will take it. And you'll be here one day. But it is a privilege, and what I do love about the bridge is the open place this is for all of us. No matter where you've come from, what you're thinking about right now, you are welcome here. This is an open place. And I am, like you, on a spiritual journey, and it has been the greatest journey of my life to try to follow God and, and live like Jesus did, and yet there's been some other things that go along with that journey. So even though I don't have any expertise in theology, I don't have any formal training, all I can offer you this morning is some of my life experience and um, just that history of walking with God. You know, we pick up things along the way. So what I do want to say is I'm not here to teach you this morning. I hope I'm here to lead you into a place where you can be thinking about some of the experience I'm sharing and see if you can relate. There might be some common ground there for you. Um, I hope there is. Um, but I know I've always felt awkward about being the person who needed to know everything. So I'm going to ask them to put a small cartoon up on the screen, which will make me feel so much better today. For those of you who can't see it, it says the Bible plus your interpretation equals your interpretation. Okay, are we all good with that? Excellent. All right. So <clears throat> here's what I do know after walking with God for so many years. I used to think I knew a lot, and now I don't know about that anymore. I have a lot of questions. So I'm going to ask you some questions to ponder while we speak this morning too. But here's what else I know. I'm experiencing a deeper level of faith and freedom, even within all those questions. So I hope you'll hear that as I speak. So as I've already alluded to, I grew up under the paradigm that I should know the answers, I should live by them, and I should ensure that other people also knew those answers. And um, yeah, that was tricky. That was a little bit cumbersome. Okay, a lot cumbersome. <laughs> and um, I suppose it hasn't been until recent years that I realized how heavy that was on me for so many years because I am a deep thinker, but I'm also a huge feeler. And I'd have all these things conflicting and I would see what was happening in life circumstances. 
And there was so much I couldn't make fit, but I didn't know what to do with it. And so some of it just got pushed down, some of it went out sideways, some of it just festered there for a really long time and came out in not so nice ways. Um, so yeah, that's been a thing. So somehow this is all gonna relate to the four scriptures that I was given from the lectionary. <laughs> and I said to Eden, that was probably like my biggest fear was, what are the scriptures I'm gonna get? Like, what if I don't understand them or what if I don't know what I think about them. But anyway, I got pitched like some really good scriptures this morning, so I'm grateful to the lectionary. Um, so just one other quick thing um, I will add in my learning journey. Um, I am just starting to consciously change the pronouns I use for God. And here's why. The English language is incredibly limited and there's no way with the whole mystery of God and the mystery of the Trinity and all of that, how we can even kind of come close to describing that. So here's what might happen. You might hear me say he, you might hear me say they, you might hear me say she, I don't know. But <laughs> if you're wondering, I'm referring to God, this amazing God of the universe. Okay, so today's passages from the lectionary. First one is found in 1 Samuel 17, story of David and Goliath. Oh, awesome. Great story. I'm pretty sure most of us have heard it. And then Psalm 10, which happens to be a classic lament psalm. And if you don't know what a lament is, it's basically that deep cry out to God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? And um, I'm assuming we felt that way before. And if not, I have. And then we get to Romans 8, which is this lovely passage about the love of God. And we're definitely going to land there, just like you guys landed there this morning with your songs. Uh, amazing. Um, I was supposed to do John 10, story about the Good Shepherd, but I don't think I'm going to get there. But that's all right. The beautiful thing about that story is it talks about this shepherd who loves so much that they would do anything, anything for their sheep. Okay, so let's start with David and Goliath. Love it. Here's how this is. We got two armies, and they are at a standstill. We've got the good guys, Israelites, over here. We've got the bad guys, Philistines, over here. Both on mountainsides, looking at each other. Big valley in the middle. Okay, well, we know it's a death wish. If any one of these armies rushes down to try to get to the other side, it's over. So they don't. But the Philistines make the first move. They send this huge giant named Goliath down, and he says, I will fight your best warrior. So let's go one-on-one, -on -one and we'll settle this thing. Well, that sounds pretty reasonable, actually. But these Israelites are scared to death of this giant. No one wants to go hand-to-hand -hand with Goliath. Can't say I blame them. So Goliath, for 40 days, stands taunting the Israelites, taunting them defying God, just mocking them. Still, no one's up for the challenge until this little shepherd boy named David comes forward. He hears what's been happening. He decides something has to be done. We can't just let our God be mocked. Like, something has to happen here. Surely God should rise up and help us beat the bad guys. Well, of course, you can imagine everyone there thinks this is ridiculous that this young boy is going to go fight this huge giant. So I'm sure after a little bit of talk, they decided, well, we're kind of desperate. Let's just do it. 
Let's send this guy. So the king wants to protect him a little and says, here, wear my armor at least. Well, as you can imagine, that king's armor was far too big for David, far too heavy, didn't fit. He'd never worn it before. He doesn't know what he's doing. So he says no. Now, just quickly, I want to back up. There was a question that had been on the board while we were having coffee and mingling. I'm not sure if you had time to take a look, but the question was this. Have you ever worn a pair of shoes that didn't fit? And how did that feel? Oh, I see a few smiles and grimaces. It's only the worst when you wear a pair of shoes that don't fit for too long, right? Because then your feet are shredded and it's awful and you can't wait to throw them off. Okay, so keep that in mind while we talk about David. So for David, it wasn't just shoes, it was a whole armor. So I am gonna take a few liberties with the story and I am not going to go right to the glorious end at all. <laughs> but I do have a spoiler alert for you. First spoiler alert is David does kill Goliath. Okay, just saying. But the second spoiler alert is for us that not all the giants in our lives are defeated. So just tuck that back there. So two things stood out to me as I've been mulling over this story for quite a while. And what hit me first was that in my growing up years, I tried to be a good Christian. And along the way, I picked up the idea that I was supposed to be a champion for God. I was supposed to spend my whole life making their name great, making their power and their authority well known. I was to show to others that they were real and that they loved everyone, that they would rescue us anytime we were in trouble. And I was also supposed to have answers for why I believe that, blah, blah, and why I thought everyone else should believe it too. And I also, for some reason, saw the world through the lens of having to do battle for God's side um, so that the good guys would prevail and that evil would be completely defeated. So that's just what I perceived, and that's kind of what I lived under and adopted as my way of being. I had a very clear us and them paradigm. Um, anything that was kind of complicated, I still picked up as there was kind of a, a dualistic way of looking at that. There was this end and this end, and there was nothing in the middle. So when I started to question a few things, when life started to get really hard, I actually began to acknowledge that most things are actually on a continuum. Right? And things maybe aren't as clear as I once saw that they were. So, for example, in my mind before, there were believers and there were unbelievers. And never the two shall meet. Well, I realize I'm like kind of in the middle somewhere. No, no, no. Not always, but sometimes, right? Like there's so much room in the middle for doubt or people for searching and people who are just unsure. And that's okay. That's normal. I guarantee all of us in the room, if we were to talk deeply with each other, we re would realize we are all over the place. And that's really okay. You know, actually God can handle that. So I'm grateful. I also remember thinking about things like secular, or secular things and sacred things, and those two should never meet. And of course, if you had the chance to go sacred, like go there, 
because that probably got you a few more points in your Christian community. Maybe God loved you even just that little bit more, which felt really good because you were trying really hard. So that, of course, um, also made you seem more serious about God, whatever that meant. So anyway, and my personal favorite, though, is that somehow I thought that faith was diametrically opposed to doubt. God is stand in faith. Okay, wait a minute. So faith does not equal certainty. So just let that sit just for a minute. Faith does not equal certainty. So you know what? Faith and doubt kind of closely aligned there. So of course there were all other kinds of us and them and this and that and um, the other was always suspicious and the other was hopefully wrong because that would make me feel more right and that would be a good thing. So I could go on and on and talk about these us and thems and I don't want to but we often saw things good guys, bad guys and God was in the middle of trying to champion the good guys. And the other thing I used to fight against or feel like I had to stand for were things like if there was disease, I had to see healing because God could heal anything. And I actually believe they can. I prayed fervently and still do and still believe God for miracles and things that could only happen with divine intervention. I'm not saying I don't, but I wore that as something heavy. So if I came to pray for my dear friend and there wasn't healing, what do I do now? What do I do with that? Is this making God look bad? Is this making me look bad? Did I not pray the right way? Um, I don't know. But again, this is just what I picked up. And so it's good to still rise up against things that are unjust or unfair or just not good. But we can't wear it. And I did. I realized that it's really not up to our efforts, is it? It has so much more to do with our openness and our willingness to come and do what we can, but then to leave it there. So I know that um, I just felt like if God didn't quote unquote show up and something didn't seem to happen, I felt this pressure like maybe I needed to prop up God's reputation or try to make sense, make all the pieces fit in for that other person because I wouldn't want them to think that God wasn't good and that God wasn't powerful and that God wasn't involved. Um, but that wasn't up to me. So anyway, just thought I'd take a minute and unpack for you what I saw as the ill-fitting armor that I had put on in my attempts to be a good Christian and really, really go for God. So one piece for sure was performance. That's a tough one. I actually really like to do things well, but I felt like I have to get this right, and I don't want anyone to notice if I don't or if I stumble, which I'm sure led to a lot of uh, just duplicity in the image I put out there and what was really going on on the inside. So that's very wearing. I also put on a piece of armor that was about denial. So if I had questions, or I had fears, or I had doubt, or again, if I had these conflicting emotions, I just not only denied it in front of other people, I denied it to myself. That would come up, bang, and I'd think, oh, I can't take that. 
God is good. God is loving. God is powerful. And so instead of maybe taking the time I needed even to discuss it with a trusted friend who maybe had some insight, I just, let's push that as far down as I can. And what about trying to just look good on the outside? You know, here we were, this lovely family with four children and ministry, and, you know, let's gather all the chicks and bring them to church and let's serve here and let's do this. You know, it's all about what's going on on the outside. And you know what? There was some well-meaning intention there. Don't get me wrong. I was not consciously aware of all of this at the time. It's just how it was functioning. And, um, you know, I had a lot of things like anger and resentment and unforgiveness brewing because things weren't fitting and again i just felt like god i'm trying so hard can't you help me out here so that's tricky and i know the other part of armor for me was other people's expectations of me oh this is a big one that's not to say the expectations of what I had myself. That's a whole other sermon. But, but, you know, for men, I'm not you, but I've picked up a few things in watching you. And I know that you have expectations on you. Of course you do. Um, if you were a pastor, God love you, you may have felt I need to be the spiritual gatekeeper for my church. And you're always on the lookout for what might be coming in to attack good but draining to be that person maybe you were told you had to be the spiritual head of a home you had to be the sole provider for your family maybe you were told you had to be sexually pure not just now but even in your past or you would be disqualified from something maybe you felt you had to be this warrior and protect everyone you loved but things happened and you couldn't fulfill those things. And those expectations just become heavier and heavier. Now for women, oh, okay, speaking for my fair gender, we all know there's just a few expectations on us as women, especially in today's society. You know, somehow it's like we're supposed to magically be good at everything we do. We have a million things to balance, to look like we're doing it all without breaking a sweat. That's it, Proverbs 31, baby. That's it. That is it. Woo. Okay, so I got to shake that off or I just cannot. I cannot keep going. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so, you know, these expectations for us, um, I guess, okay, look, go back to Philip because he just threw me off there. But for me as a woman, I can fit most of my expectations into two categories. We've heard this phrase lots, that you're either considered to be too much as a woman or you are not enough. And whoo, that just covers a whole lot of things. So for me, this ill-fitting armor, these expectations, they weighed me down and they literally ground my soul to dust and they broke me. And I don't know. It was a sad day. Okay, years. But maybe, <laughs> maybe it was the best thing ever. But anyway, before we get too far ahead into hopeful stuff, let's look at our psalm of lament. 
So I'll just have them pop on screen. These are the three main questions. I won't read the scripture. Verse one says, why do you stand so far off from me? Why do you hide yourself from me in times of trouble? And my favorite, why do the wicked prosper? I don't get it. Anyone else? Come on, just show of hands for me. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Excellent. And probably one of my favorite parts of this after rereading the psalm a few times was verses 13 to 15, where the psalmist feels absolutely assured that God would deal with the wicked and punish them. I wonder if that was just the solution the psalmist wanted, just because it would make him feel so much better, right? But how many times have I really wanted this to happen? I don't want to admit this out loud in front of you all, but I'm gonna. You know, like, where was my focus? You know, I would just see what was happening. I'd look at my experiences. I think I'm trying, I'm trying to win this battle. I'm praying and nothing's happening and I can't sense your love for me, God. And, and I feel like I could only sense that if things were going well for me. So if I could see that for all of them over there, they were having a hard time. Okay, come on. It made a little bit of sense to me. <laughs> you know, kind of wanted to believe in that really simple equation, A plus B equals C. So believe in God plus try hard equals easy, prosperous life. Yes! And of course, conversely, we don't say those things too loud. Don't believe in God, plus do your own thing, should equal misery, right? Okay, anyway, as we know, that is really not the way life shakes out, and that's why we have what we have today. So, but let's move on to what's super exciting to me, and this is the scriptures from Romans 8, and I am gonna read this to you because I always find it so great to read. So from Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, all. How will he not also, along with him, Jesus, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised from the dead to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger from sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. I am convinced in all these things that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's read this just at the beginning a little bit. If, full stop, did I really believe that God was for me? Sometimes, thank you. And if I couldn't see things working out, did I then question everything? Well, 
brings us to the next two questions that I see. Verse 32 says, How will God not also, along with him, Jesus, graciously give us all things? Hmm. I like that. I could sit in that verse for a little while and try to let that really sink in. And of course, the glorious end to this, who shall separate us from the love of God? And we have that entire inclusive, let our minds wander to the conclusion that nothing, really nothing can separate any of us from the love of God, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy. There's no such thing. None of us are separated from the love of God. Wow. So if God did give us indeed the gift of Jesus and nothing can separate us from that love, what am I assured of them? What are you assured of? Are we assured success, healing, answers, everything working out? Nope. But is that not okay? <laughs> the way I read this now and the way I just bring this deep into myself is this, that I will never be alone. I will never be unloved, no matter what I'm going through. Whether I'm suffering, or I've got doubt, or fear, or I'm in poverty, or things are going incredibly well. Either way, we are loved and we are accompanied, and nothing will change that. Wow. So here's what I'm hoping for today. I'm hoping you can hear that, you can believe that with me, and that you can deeply receive that. The love of God, their presence is here with us now, it was before, and it always will be for all of us. We don't need to try harder, put on more armor to protect ourselves, try to fit, try to earn it, try to try to qualify for it, no such thing. So what I see for us is this means we get to walk forward now without that ill-fitting armor. Kick it off, get rid of those shoes. Walk forward as we are, knowing that we are unique. We are totally loved. We're never gonna be separated from that love and God will be our faithful, steady companion. And the last verse I want to share is one that's come to mean so much to me over the last number of years. You can go back and read the rest of the chapter. It's amazing. But this is from Matthew 11, verse 30 in the message version. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So just as we close, let's take a minute. I know silence can be uncomfortable for some, but take a minute, open to your own heart's intuition about how this is kind of hitting you this morning. Take a minute and even just scan your body for some physical cues. I start to notice sometimes I feel sick in my stomach or I feel really tight, just check in. And just examine your mind for a minute. What kind of questions have come up for you? Maybe some doubts, 
maybe you're trying to see where this all fits for you. So let's just take a minute and pause and pay attention and see what's going on for us. Thank you for doing that. And so with that, I believe Eden will join me, my faithful companion, and we'll open it up just for some possible questions, responses. I'll say this, I'm a bit of a verbal processor and things kind of come out as I'm talking, so we'll see what happens when you have some questions. Could be interesting. I told you. That's a good one. I, I kind of feel like I grew up hearing sermons, if, I, if I'm thinking about actually like seeing what was being expressed, it was like looking through a bathroom window that has all that, like it's opaque, you can't see through it. And I feel like this morning you let us like put our noses right in your living room window and we're looking right inside and it was beautiful it's lovely I just have a prayer I want to read to bless you with going into the week so Jesus I know that this goes without saying but sometimes we just need to be reminded just how accessible and present you are so as we leave to do all the things we have planned today and this week, will you go with us? And would you please make your presence feel very tangible to each of us? Amen. Amen.